Tonight's episode of the 31st Lap Podcast is brought to you by DirtTrackDigest.com. If it's on dirt, it's on Dirt Track Digest. This is the 31st Lap Podcast, recorded live in the studios of FingerLakes1.com in downtown Seneca Falls, New York. And now, your hosts, Chris Marquardt. Good afternoon, good evening, welcome to this edition of the 31st Lab Podcast, episode number 255. On deck for you tonight, we've got Camden Proud joining us to talk a little bit about all sorts of different topics. His own racing season, uh, action over there at Oswego Speedway, and also um, some of the opportunities that he's got uh, coming up in 2019 in terms of working with ISMA. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Again, we are live here from the North Park Building at Academy Square, so glad that you guys could tune in and join us. For this evening's program, Camden is waiting on the line. Cam, man, how are you? Good, how are you? I appreciate you having me. For sure. I was getting a little bit nervous. We got a little bit late in the day, but we were able to connect, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad we did. Uh, Mike Mallett came through, got me your phone number so that we could um, have tonight's show. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Yeah, again, I appreciate you having me, and, and thanks, Mike, for the hookup. <laughs> uh, so... You're uh you got a busy summer in front of you between racing yourself, you're gonna be handling all of the PR duties over to Swigo Speedway and then handling um social media duties and some of the other PR content um this season with ISMA. I mean how how busy is this year going to be? I would say the busiest racing season of my life so far between moving up to the super modified class at a Swigo this year and continuing with the PR duties there and also picking up on the Isman things and doing some more traveling. So it's it's overwhelming, but, you know, it's also an amazing opportunity for me to, to get to continue racing and also do these two jobs, which is honestly something I've always wanted to give a try. So it's been a great experience so far. Sure. Um, tell me a little bit about how all of this came about. I mean, it's, it's – uh... It's an opportunity that I know you've been chasing quite a bit in terms of getting into the media side of things, and, and then all of a sudden the floodgates open and you're going to be working uh, both the Swigo Speedway and ISMA this year. How did, how did it all start to align? Yeah, it's, it's been crazy really how it's all kind of developed. Uh, four or five years ago when I was starting to race in the small block class at Oswego, I just kind of you know, taught myself to do some PR. We had a sponsor contract with one of my primary sponsors still with us today, and they just wanted some PR stuff. And, you know, I messed around with that a little. And then actually I met Mike Mallett through the high school. He was my teacher, and he gave me the opportunity to write for Dirt Track Digest, write for Pave Track Digest, and, and then I still do my CNY Motorsports site today. And I think that's kind of what's caused a swiggle in his mind some of these other places to look into having me do the PR. So it's just kind of amazing how it's come full circle for me. It's more than I ever expected being involved in the sport, that's for sure. <laughs> it's more than you expected, but at the same time, it's something that you wanted to do. How does how did those two pieces go together? Um, it's something that you wanted to get into. You had to have some idea what you were chasing, what you wanted to get into, right? I did, yeah. I, you know, it's every race car driver wants to – race professionally and, and kind of live that whole dream but i also you know i love the, the history of the sport and promoting the sport and writing about it just as much and i'm not just a super modified guy if there's a race whether it's dirt racing or pavement or whatever i'm i'm going to go to it if i can so just race chasing and, and just developing that love for the sport over the last few years learning about all the dirt track stuff it's just things that come full circle so Awesome. We've got uh, Stephen Evans is now able to join us, Skype, giving him some fits this evening. How are you, Stephen? Oh, I'd be a lot better if Skype was working for me tonight, but uh, we'll take what we can get, right? <laughs> uh, I, I realized when I was looking back through the thread of messages that I hadn't told you about the 6 o'clock start time either. I apologize. Hey, man, we're, we're good. We're taking a uh, top five car, and we're going to pull a top ten out of it. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're talking a little bit with Camden Proud about, um, you know, basically just uh, starting off some of his writing career and, and getting involved on the PR side of things. And it was a, a, a dream goal of his to get behind the pen, as it were, at Oswego Speedway in addition to being behind the wheel. And it's something that, that you can kind of relate to as well. You've taken a little bit of the same path. 
Absolutely, and I think that uh, I think that both myself and Camden kind of came into this whole deal at a really interesting time because the path to you know getting to where both of us are, and Chris, I know you and I have talked about this several times. The path to getting into you know a position of you know writing about the sport or, or serving as public relations director. Um, or even announcing is, uh, I think it's a way different now than than it was when when Chris was coming into the sport. Because at at the time that Chris came into the sport, there was always somebody that kind of took you under their wing and and was kind of a mentor of sorts. And I think sometimes now, um, you know, we we still have our mentors for sure, but I think it's it's not. Um, there, I, I think the path is much different, and I won't say that it's easier, but what I would say is that I think with the improvements in technology and things, the way that you come about uh, your business now is way different than, than what it used to be. I think there's a, a couple different pieces there um, that I would be inclined to agree with. One, uh, if you want to write in motorsports right now, all you need to do is start writing. It's not exactly the same as where you sort of had to find and, and carve out your niche and find the, the opening at a particular track so that you're not st- stepping on this writer's toes or that writer's toes. Um, if you're looking to get into one of the trade magazines, if, if you've got a .com or even if you've got a Facebook page, you can start your own blog and you can write about basically whatever you want to. And then also it's uh, there's come to, at least on the dirt side of the things, where uh, Dirt Track Digest is a major player in the landscape, whereas back when I first started coming in, Dirt Track Digest was, was sort of on the fringe. It was on the on the very, um, probably on the furthest reaches of the writing universe. Now it's right there at the epicenter. And you've got the opportunities to come along and, and write all sorts of different stuff. The, the days of the press release writing and the race recaps are, are almost obsolete because you don't have to put that content out there. As a feature writer, it's more about uh, generating stories about the personalities and where people finished, why they finished, how they finished, things of that nature. Because Twitter, social media, Facebook, and the tracks as well have gotten so good about getting their winner content and their results out there so quickly. The race report itself isn't isn't as, as paramount. Camden's in a little bit of a different situation because he's taking care of a racetrack. He's got to make sure that his, his race reports and stuff are out there. And that content reaches every place. And Oswego is one of the only places that I can think of off the top of my head that does a, a, a featured press release for each one of the divisions that's in action. And that, that's, that's much different than what we see on, on some of the dirt side of things. But it's also only two or three different divisions on a given night versus sometimes four, five, six, or seven, depending on what track you're at. And I think that's something that makes what Camden does pretty unique. Camden, is that something that was kind of that process was handed down to you as is that you know something that's part of the 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 culture there at Oswego is that they do a, a separate press release for each division yeah that's exactly what I was going to say Danny K when he was there he obviously did a great job and revolutionized the you know the public relations for Oswego and he had always done a super modified race story and an FBS race story and like Chris said it'd be a lot different if we had six, seven classes like some of the local dirt tax do, but, you know, I felt as though I wanted to continue that. There's only three divisions now. Sometimes we have four at the most, and I just, you know, I want to give every class the love, not just the supers. I know it's a lot more difficult for some of the dirt tracks to do that because there are so many classes, but, you know, I try to keep up on that every week. How how difficult is it to maintain your race car and keep track of what's happening on on the racing surface itself? <laughs> well, it's impossible, really. I mean, the only way I'm able to write the recaps is because Tom's video production gives me a courtesy kind of to go back and watch. There's another than what I'm doing. I have really no idea what happens anymore. And, you know, I've been a super modified fan my whole life, and it's I've six features now, I think, and it's still so weird being out there and not watching. And it's, it's been quite the adjustment. In terms of in terms of the writing side of things at at Oswego, um, Danny Kay put together uh, to to steal Stevens' term. He put together such a good culture, uh, and 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 really set a a very high bar uh, for the writing side of things, for the exposure side of things. Uh, how much does that come back to you 
uh, and, and the Speedway in terms of the sponsor um, interaction and also some of the, not, not so much the fan, but also the driver interaction because you're giving sponsors and you're giving drivers an opportunity to, to, to have their own opportunity in the limelight. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it would be awesome if someplace like Outlaw Speedway could write a separate press release for their hobby stock and for their four-cylinders and give those guys a little bit of time in the limelight. But I think with the number of inches that are available and the amount of time that you have on the clock, I don't think that that's necessarily um, feasible. But you, you, you're giving the sponsors uh, their, their opportunity for individualized recognition, also the drivers. I mean, obviously, the fans are happy about it, but what kind of feedback do you get on that? We've gotten some good feedback on that. This year we, we started doing something every day on our Facebook page. Or most days, I should say. We do a, we call it a partner profile or a sponsor spotlight type of thing, and we try to recognize one of our dozens of sponsors we have every single day. And, you know, you can never do enough for the sponsors. That's what makes the race cars go on the track. That's what allows the doors to open up in the spring. So definitely really important to whole sponsor interaction and, and keeping those guys happy. We couldn't do it without them. Is is writing a? I guess it. It's unfair to say is writing a goal for you because you're doing it right now. Is there long term full time job uh, prospects for you down the line? Is are you going to pursue additional education in that background so that you can go and advance your career in writing? I'm not sure, honestly. I I hope so. I I actually. The racing stuff isn't even really my real job. I work for a public relations firm at a swiggle during the day most of the time, and then you know, it's usually 3, 4 o'clock by the time I get to start my race and press releases. So just like you said, time is, is such a big thing, and there's way more I'd like to do as a swiggle or a Lisma, and I, I wish that I was employed there full-time or full-time to some degree, at least like Danny Kay was, but that's not the case. So definitely a full-time writing PRs, some sort of position like that in motorsports would kind of be my ultimate goal. Right. Steven, it seems so much like, uh, especially in my experience with it, is yeah. if you want to be full-time in motorsports, you got to be willing to be at three different racetracks, juggle, juggle all that, and then find another way to, um, to, to sort of carve your way with some sort of part-time job during the week that's also going to let you have time off to catch the midweek stuff uh, just because there, wasn't, there just wasn't the same full-time opportunities back, Jesus, 15 years ago now, 10, 15 years ago, as is what there might be now. I mean, so many of the tracks have a full-time social media uh, press um, representative versus what it was back in the mid-2000s or earlier. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. And, you know, I, I think that it's a lot it's a lot tougher. I mean, there's so few full-time opportunities to kind of do that thing where you really have to have something that you can fall back on to pay the light bill. Um, I mean, even, even, you know, a few years ago when, uh, when I remember working outlaw and Woodhall both for one season, um, I mean, that's a lot of work to begin with, uh, just doing one track, much less doing two and doing them in back to back nights in one weekend. But in order to do that and keep up with everything that you, you know, you really want to keep up with to, to really do everybody justice and do a good job uh, and still carry full-time employment, man, it's tough. It is tough. Um, like I said, I only did that just one season and, you know, learned quick that that was maybe not the best plan. <laughs> so um, it, it's it's definitely but, – but I still see – I still feel that now, you know, kind of stepping more into the announcing role and stepping away from some of the PR stuff is – I, I see more this year just how much time I was spending, you know, in previous years, you know, doing that stuff just to keep up with one racetrack, you know, much less trying to do two in order. And, and, and when you're doing volume that way, you know, you're trying to, uh, you know, make a little bit of a career out of it or, or if not a career, a really solid part time gig. But, man, that is that is tough for for sure. I mean. Even even if you're just writing, you know, if you're writing for a publication, um, you know, some of those things are few and far between now nowadays. Um, you know, you see like things like, uh, you know, I know uh, our friend Doug was writing for the Syracuse Post Standard. And, and, you know, to get a feature story like that in a large paper for motorsports is tough to come by. You know, that kind of went away this year. So, I mean, it's it's tough to even, you know, get that 
you know, uh, enough to, to make it worth foregoing what you might have full-time elsewhere. Ken, the local paper up there in Oswego has been pretty supportive of the track, haven't they? It seemed like it seemed like they do a pretty good job of, of either covering directly themselves or at least reusing the, the press content that you guys distribute. Yeah, they really are awesome about it. They always have been. We get in quite a few feature stories, little race preview, race recap, whether it be their own or something I put together, and they send in at least a couple members of their staff into the pits every Saturday night to do some coverage. So it's we're lucky to have the Pal Times, you know, still pretty heavily involved in covering what's going on here at Oswego. Maybe they'll hire you, and you can start doing like school board meetings and stuff too. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Um, how about your season as a whole? Uh, how's, how's that coming around? I know you've, you, we talked a little bit about what you're doing, uh, in terms of the press release stuff, but you've still got a racing career that you're tending to as well. Yeah, it's, it's just been an unbelievable experience really from top to bottom. Just the learning curve of the super modified classes. It's, it's just ridiculous. Quite honestly, the first two weeks we were really rude awakening and, Finally, last week, we tested at the end of the week and got it running a lot better. We were mid to high 16-second laps, and that's, you know, we're getting there. It's just it's just the learning curve, and, and even just this new package they have with the low lane and, and balancing out your low lane with your front lane and just kind of figuring what all that stuff does. It's so much different than a small black class, and it's really humbling to be out there every week and just learn and take those baby steps. Tell me a little bit about this uh, this new package that's out there for the Super Modifieds. Um, it's it's a I don't know if we want to call it a transitional year, but there's certainly some new pieces to this package in terms of the spoiler combinations that are on these cars at, at Oswego. And there was a lot of discussion that went into getting to the point where we're at right now uh, with this new uh, combination. Right. It's definitely a lot different. The Super Modified over the years has been all about change and evolution. It started out with like a mod class, and then you know we had the, the rear engine cars and the roadsters, and the offset came around, and then we had the shovel tails, and then the air comes out, and now we've taken away the big tail section and the, the so-called tail wing, and now we have a really single element rear wing on the back of the car that sits just above the roll cage, and basically the goal behind that was to entice some of the ISMO MSS guys, the wing guys, to come to the floor, go take the top lane off and put this small lane on, and, and it's, it's working so far. We have a lot of ISMO guys that are very competitive now that are struggle that, that really otherwise work, and, and same with a couple of MSS teams. So, you know, the car counts are heading in the right direction, and it's doing what it was designed to do. I think is the teams figure out this package a little bit more and play around the racing will get a lot better, too. So was the goal of this to generate more parity, or was it to generate more interest from the drivers that ran exclusively with ISMA? I think a little bit of both, but definitely to kind of pull those teams from ISMA and get them to come out to a struggle because ISMA's only having 10 races. You know, we're having the same amount of races, but it's, it's on different weeks, and those weeks that ISMA's not racing, those are you know, 15, 20 super modified sometimes. They're just sitting around, but with this wing can now be competitive with a swigger. There's cars that are running 17-1 and 17-2. They're running 16-2 this year just because of this wing. So it's eliminated the high-dollar tail section and all the crazy arrow stuff through Hawk or whoever it might be, and it just allows everybody to play around. It's really well on the driver and the creature's hands, and it's an experiment again, so it's exciting to watch. It, it has been interesting to track with, with the changes that have been made, but the more things change, Stephen, it also seems like the more things stay the same. Um, with You talk about how these changes, and, and it puts it back in the driver's hands because everybody's starting with a new notebook and stuff, and we're seeing a lot of the same names that have been successful in those super modifieds finishing up front and, and some of those other names. Uh, most recently, Otto Sitterly, when he made that huge charge this weekend, marching up into the into the podium positions they're able to drive up through and, and those guys that really know how to drive a super modified, it doesn't seem like what combination you give them, they can still be successful. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of people say this already and, and I think it, it's, you know, I think Camden would, would, you know, agree with this. 
regardless of what package there is, and, and this goes for Oswego, Dirt, NASCAR, whatever, the fast guys are going to be fast guys. I mean, there's just there's no beating good, solid race cars and, and even better preparation. And I think Otto Sitterly fits that, and his team fits that to a T. I mean, they're going to be fast regardless what you throw at them. They may not be the dominant car week in and week out, and I, I almost, I mean, Camden, maybe you, maybe you can shed some light on this. I'm not sure that this package necessarily uh, is going to take, you know, somebody who's dominant and they're not going to win races, and and guys that don't win races are all of a sudden going to win races. <laughs> but I think the the playing field now is such that um, guys, you know, there there's going to be a lot more parity. You're still going to be, you know, guys like Otto Siddeley are still going to be fast. <clears throat> Excuse me. But at the same time, you're going to have, I think, an even better product on the racetrack. And and on top of all this, you also have the compound that gets put down on the racetrack. So you've got that also with the package. And, and I think for some really exciting racing, and we've seen winners in victory lane that, you know, they may have made their way to victory lane, but we're seeing it a little sooner. Oh, yeah, you're, you're definitely right about that. It's, you know, like you said, the cream is always going to rise to the top regardless. Um, but I do think that it kind of brings this to a little bit more of a level playing field. I don't think that guys that are, you know, kind of middle of the pack, back of the pack guys are just going to show up and win. But it definitely there's what it's doing is the Isma cars or, or the 2015-year-old cars from the mid-'90s, early 2000s, there's, a car that was built in 95 that was out there two weeks ago running 16.6 and like four tenths of a second off the fast qualifying lap. So I think it's what it's doing is kind of bringing some of those older cars back to life and at least making guys that were otherwise pulling in the pits halfway through the race or way in the back of the pack feel as though they can be a lot more competitive. It's, it's started to do that, and uh, the traction compound is another piece. I, they're, they're really just shooting for more competitive racing and mm-hmm. right now we've had five different winners in five races so we'll just see how it all shakes out i think it's anyone's game real quick whatever you just did with your phone leave it right there because i could hear you great right there <laughs> don't don't change the thing um it, it sounds it sounds great right there uh who and i, I should have looked this up just the way the conversation went who won there was a car that was in victory lane that was seven or eight years old here just recently wasn't there yeah, that was Jeff Abel's car. They they finished that, man, at the end of 2010. I think it saw the track for the first time in 11. But, yeah, it's an old older straight-axle car, and it, it, he kicked everybody's butt with it. So it's, you know, it's like I said, doing what it's supposed to do. How much of, of this is still you being just a, a race fan as a whole and, and being a fan of Oswego Speedway and Supermodifieds? And, and and your appreciation for what it took to get a seven-year car back to a point where it's going to be competitive and it can get, get to victory lane and, and, and that, that, that fan inside of you takes over and you're just thrilled to be able to put all that passion into a story. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing I'm more passionate about than Oswego and the history of it. And I'm just really pleased. I was the first person to be very skeptical when they said we're going to put a raised wing on the back of the car. I didn't like how it looked. I I didn't like anything about it. And it's right now I can so far say that Johnny Treacy was right. He had the right idea, and it's it's working out well so far. But those those stories are cool. You're you're getting different names involved and just different drivers that I've seen race elsewhere in Ohio or or wherever else with Isma that are now coming here and, and to see them be competitive at Oswego cars and names that haven't even thought of coming up here in 20 years it's it's been really cool so far has it been tough Camden though I know when that first got announced and when they were doing some of the testing there with the Bellinger car I mean there was a period of time there where it was seemed like this was going to be a really tough sell to the fans and the racers. But it seems like you guys just kind of endured that process and kind of stuck with the plan, knowing that what you've seen now this year is exactly what they were aiming for. I mean, that's got to be pretty rewarding for the the track staff. It is rewarding. It, It feels good so far. I know there was a lot of 
very skeptical people. People don't like change. You know, everybody, oh, I hate the wing. It's it's ugly. It's hideous. The racing's going to suck. And I don't I don't think that's the case. It's not my most favorite thing in the world, but it's it's going to help the class. You're going to get more cars. You're going to get older cars that are faster. And you just you can't let a wing ruin your Saturday nights and ruin the super modifieds for you. So. You know, I, it is rewarding, and I think to some extent the track management can almost say, you know, I told you so type of thing. It's, it's definitely the design is, is working out in our favor so far anyway. Has has the realization come around now uh, to where the racing product, as, as Stephen was saying uh, a bit ago, with the wing combination and with the, the, the increased competition, and things along those lines. Has the racing on track also gotten better? Are you seeing the cars running from 10th on back, showing the ability to make passes, getting a little bit more action uh, longer into the features? You know, it's it's one thing to have a, a, a new combination where it lets guys that are re- that have been really good to move through the pack and, and get people to come back to the track, but it's, it's another thing altogether to make the product be entertaining so that in addition to have somebody that's making ground and, and charging their way up into the top five, you also got guys that are racing side-by-side side as they gain experience in 12th, 15th, 18th, 20th place. Yeah, most definitely. I, I totally agree. And right now, I'm not going to lie, that's my biggest concern with the new package at this time because – there are some guys that are coming from 15th and finishing fourth or 12th and, and winning auto, you know, there's auto and goes those guys, those veterans have really figured it out. And I think it's just a matter of some of these other guys figuring it out that haven't completely gotten it down yet. It's really tightened the cars up and it's made passing for now a little bit more difficult. There's not no passing by any stretch. It's, just you know i'm not going to say the racing's better i think it's just a matter of how long is it going to take before the next guy and the next guy and the next guy hits on what they need to with this aero package and finds the right balance and then there'll be more side-by-side racing how did this change the swigo align with what isma wants in terms of their cars their rules and their presentation of uh of a division well, Oswego and Isma have always been two completely separate entities, obviously, and right. it's completely different car, even even more so now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not even more so now. You know, it's just the whole the whole wing thing. It's that's that's the big difference. They have the big top wing and and you know the big shocks and and all that stuff on the on the top wings, and they got fifty thousand dollar motors that they're running four races on and. <laughs> taking those out and putting another motor in. So I think it's a lot more expensive to go Isma racing right now. And, you know, I think that's the advantage that Swiggle might have is that we're enticing people to come out and spend a little bit less money than they otherwise would with Ismas. But at the same time, you don't want to hurt Isma either. So right. it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I can't believe the money that they invest in those Isma motors <laughs> unto itself. That's a That's a conversation we'll get to here. Uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll branch into that a little bit in a few minutes as we get into some of the some of the conversation about Camden Proud working with ISMA as well as racing at Oswego and handling the public relation duties. Um, but when when I was at Gator, it was my first experience with um, ISMA and Gator Racing News, the the print version. Uh, it was my first experience with ISMA, and in some cases, even my first experience with Oswego Speedway. And the comparison between the two was was ultimately oversimplified where, well, it's just the Oswego cars with a top wing bolted on. But there's more nuance between those two cars than, than what might immediately meet the eye. And especially now, as you're saying, with, with the different wing packages, that's not going to affect the ability, however, to cross over, right? Everybody's still going to be able to compete uh, back and forth, uh, especially now with Oswego and ISMA entering into this uh, five race no compete clause to help bolster attendance on the road and at the home track of Oswego. Yeah, exactly. And I think this whole reciprocal agreement we're doing really opens the door and, and it goes back to Oswego and Isma not running against each other as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sponsors, Core Pack, and those guys coming through to post. You know, 1000 to start on the Isma Tour is really good. 750 to start at Oswego, that's that kind of stuff helps along with 
the events are no longer conflicting. So, you know, with with the reciprocal agreement and the the contract we have with scheduling and also this Wayne, it, it really does give Ismagaiz an opportunity that has said for the past however many years, hey, I want to come try a Swiggo. You can definitely come try a Swiggo now, and, and you're going to walk away. You know, our twin races, there's guys walking out with $1,500 just to start, and right. and that's, you know, it hasn't really been something that we've seen at all in right. super modified racing until this year, so good step. And you've got the opportunity this year to travel some with ISMA. Not not necessarily yet. You've got the Monadnock um, race that's coming up here uh, in the end of the month, right? Yeah, Monadnock coming up next weekend in New Hampshire. And Oswego is also off that weekend, so I'm, I'm hoping we'll get a couple of Oswego cars that take advantage of the reciprocal agreement we have going on. But it's um, it stinks. This is my first race got rained out up at Delaware. and. Mm. They were expecting a pretty decent field. Anytime you go to Canada, we have two races there up, up there this year, and that's always fun. It's really good for the class, and I just don't want to see them lose any more shows. That's a short schedule, so hopefully good weather next weekend. Well, I think everybody's tired of losing shows. Stephen, would you, would you go out of the limb and agree with that? Yeah, I, I'll go along with that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it has been rough. I mean, I, I, I won't say... You know, anytime, anytime you say a season's been rough, you you always compare to how things have gone up for the guys at Utica Rome. But my goodness, um, th- this season has just been brutal. I mean, even on nights where you get half a pro, I mean, how many times, Chris, have we seen this year where a track has gotten half the program in and then it rains? I mean, more than recent memory, uh, Fulton's had it happen a couple times. I think. Uh, uh, we got affected by it just this weekend as well with those big rains that came through and knocked everything out at Fulton and Land of Legends. The small block super feature got rained out just past halfway, right, Camp? Yeah, it did, unfortunately. Yeah, so, I mean, rain has been a, rain has been a factor. Utica Rome Speedway at this point, after trying to start mid-April, has one race in the books, which is just unbelievable. Billy Dunn's leading the points because he won the only race there. It's terrible. I feel so bad for Bill and Kemp. Do you do a lot of racing otherwise? Uh, or, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. Do you follow a lot of racing off of the pavement uh, on the dirt side of things as well? Big time, yeah, as much as I possibly can. I I love the dirt racing. I really didn't watch any other racing growing up other than Supers. And I think it was the last Super Dirt Week at the Mile I went to and I got hooked, and any dirt race around here that doesn't conflict with a swig, I'm probably at it. This would be a good time to plug CNY Motorsports if you want. Yeah, you know, it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't take it too seriously. It's you know, it's it's nice. I enjoy going out and, and meeting some of these dirt guys and and doing the interviews and, and providing the coverage, and it's expanded pretty well for me. I'm I'm happy with how it's turned out over the years, but I just. I don't have the time. I don't have the staff. I have a few great people to help me out, but it's just more so an enjoyment kind of thing and just sort of another platform I'm trying to use to hopefully open up some doors down the road. Well, it certainly it certainly puts it in perspective some of the stuff that what uh, Mike and Mike Mallett and GT and and George and all the guys over at Dirt Track Digest have been able to build. Um, trying to tackle it on your oh, own yeah. and build that thing from the ground up. It's it's quite the undertaking to get there. <laughs> It, it sure is, and, and like I said, learning from guys like Mike, you know, having him as a teacher, and, and also Danny Kay when I interned at Oswego a little bit before I worked there, and, and learning from Mike and, and Danny, I would say, honestly, are the two most instrumental people in, you know, getting me to the point I am today with my writing and, and PR. I've learned a lot from those guys, so. And when you say having Mike, Mike Mallett as a teacher, that's literally as a teacher at uh, at the high school, right? Yeah, yeah, he was for two years. <laughs> so, it seems longer than it was supposed to, but we won't get into that. Post-off <laughs> 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 um, I promise. So, are you? I didn't even think about this. Are you going to bring a car up to um, the opening ISMA race and and race as well as do the writing, or are you just focusing on the writing side? I'm just going to focus on the writing side. It's like I said, a swiggle has been such an undertaking. We spent three grand on parts the last 
three weeks that we didn't think we were going to have to spend. So it's right now we don't have a Wayne or the extra cash to get a Wayne. If anybody wants to give me one, I'd love to go. But right. <laughs> until then, I'll just be writing. <laughs> is We touched a little bit on the differences between the two rule sets. and Is there a lot of additional expense that has to be invested in the car in order to get a – Oswego Super Modified ready to compete with the ISMA cars beyond beyond the obvious wing combination? Uh, no, not really. Just changing some bars and some shocks and suspension stuff. But the wing on both sides is really the big undertaking. Yeah. It, it used to be, like I was saying, a, a $1,500 tail section. Anytime you want to come to Oswego, and now it's, you know, 700 bucks in, in sheet metal and a wing, so they've cut the cost in half. But Isma, by the time you're done buying the top win itself and all the shocks and everything else for it, you're going to spend several grand, and that's that's something I wish that they could change, maybe cut the cost with that a little bit. But, you know, there, there's a lot of different things that we like to cut the cost with on super modified racing. But how does it happen? You know, everybody seems to have all the answers, but it's just, it's a work in progress. If fuel engines and tires were cheaper, it wouldn't matter about how much their win cost, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you got planned for um, this weekend itself? Uh, besides Oswego, are you going to be catching up with any of the racing at Brewerton? Are you going to be looking next week, maybe getting to the big show, 11 at Albany, Saratoga? Yeah, you know, I was just thinking there's so much racing going on. The next two weeks is probably going to be the busiest couple of weeks of the summer with all the stuff going on next week, the big show at, at Malta on Tuesday, and then they have the 358 series shows at Can-Am at Fulton Wednesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, it's just about Independence Day and all the Speed Week stuff kicks in. So, yeah, just tons going on. Went to Outlaw last night, probably Burton tomorrow, and race Saturday and go up to the Cold Cup at Utica Rome on Sunday. It kind of looks like good weather for those guys. So that's, <laughs> I love the new format. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally, it's a uh, it's a rare day when they get uh, sun shining in Verona. I guess. I guess so. It's been uh, it's really been tough. Documented documented that pretty well. Uh, Steven, well, we we know we know the new thing at Utica this year is Chris being there. So I mean, we can blame it on Chris, right? I you want to know something funny is when when I got up there a couple weeks ago. And they had just uh, they had just wrote the press release and said, "Hey, it's it's, it's rained out for this weekend." On uh, I think it was June second when we got that note. Um, I told Mike at this point the only race that's gotten in was when I was in Ohio. So if you want me to quit on the spot just so you can race next weekend, just let me know. If you want me to stay home, if you want me to go out of town, whatever, just let me know. That way you can get some races in. And um, he said he said he wasn't for sure if that was actually the problem. It might have been more with weather than it was me. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, man. Um, but yeah, like you guys are saying, you know, so far, knock on wood, things look pretty good for this weekend. Yeah, knock on wood, big knock on wood for sure. <laughs> you had the chance to get into a dirt car before? Oh no, I I haven't. You know, last year I've gotten pretty close with Carol and Alton Palmer, and they're great people, and they were going to just let me go out and hot lap the seventy six at Utica Rome, and of course practice rained out that day so it it never really happened but they said there might be an opportunity for me down the road to give it a try and i would love to that would be cool that that would be neat to see um in terms of your racing career and the direction that that's going is is oswego the is oswego the first and final chapter of where this is going with the super modifieds do, do you want to get into something different uh try something different try and expand horizons do you ultimately want to go down south where do you want to go with that side of things i'm not sure it's you know i, I grew up racing quarter midgets and watching my father and uncle race at oswego and oswego and a super modified and, and fielding a super modified weekly has kind of always been my ultimate goal if if you ask me would you rather run the daytona 500 or the international classic i picked the classic hands down so just to get to do this right now this has been a dream come true and we'll see what happens the rest of the year and and what kind of results it brings but you know we had five good years in the small blocks left finishing second seven times and not winning so i would like to win at a swiggle more than anything else right 
Did you go do the um, small block supers race that was held at uh, Spencer Speedway in Williamson? Nope. I was there, but I didn't race, and my dad was supposed to race my car, but he broke his hand, so we couldn't bring the car. Jeez. That's some bad luck right there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> On the plus side, that race didn't rain out. No, it didn't rain out. Believe it or not. <laughs> how, how do you sustain the super modified class? I mean, obviously these rule changes have been extremely beneficial in terms of giving the guys that have these cars places to run, and it's breathed some new life into cars that are, that are old, that are aged a little bit. Um, but no matter what type of racing you're talking about, you, you dial the clock way back into the 70s and the 80s, there was a car at every mom-and-pop gas station, every repair shop, every, every um, homespun garage oper- operation had a race car of some sort. It was a drag racing car. It was a dirt car. It was an asphalt car. Now you're talking about maintenance uh, every four races on an engine that costs $50,000. And, and the sponsor money, not to mention the, the hometown-style support, it's just not there for any any racing program, regardless of what you're looking at. You know, the, the, the two that we always come back to in terms of affordability and return is you can run a really, really good sportsman operation and for about the same amount of money that you can run a really, really good 360 operation. After that, everything just sort of falls off the backside because of the amount of cost. How does, how does the super modified stay viable and, and continue to generate new drivers and, and keep the cars on the tracks? Because to me, hearing about only having two real opportunities to either one to race weekly and, and the other to race on a touring series seems like a gigantic investment in terms of $50,000. Plus you can only use some of the equipment half the time. Exactly. It's, it's a huge initial investment. And I don't want to say that every motor is $50,000. It's just some of those high end teams on ISMA specifically are, are going through three or four motors a year. And sometimes they're just, freshen them after a race or two which it's it's just crazy i mean i can't even imagine but for the entry level guy to get involved in the super modified class like we're a very entry level low budget team that's it's so difficult it's it's not like anything even close to what it was in the 70s and 80s when you got guys dragging old frames out of the woodwork everything's home built it's you got to get your high dollar parts and wings and arrow from joey hawksby or or whoever else to be competitive nowadays so there's there's so many supers out there i just don't think people have the money to be competitive right now and we just have to keep taking these little steps to cut the cost the i'm trying to remember what what the years were but that original offset car raced well into the 80s if not the early 90s didn't it the original champagne offset car yeah, uh, I think the last race, I'm guessing maybe 92, Jamie Moore raced it in the early 90s. So, I mean, I, I think it could still be finished today, honestly. Well, I mean, that's that's not exactly where I was going with it, but that brings up an interesting <laughs> no, point about the, I mean, you're, you're talking about stuff that was built in the 90s still being competitive. That's great. Is it still also safe? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say. Um, yes. I think so with the yeah. modern technology you're, you're putting in the cars and, right. and you know, there, there's cars that have come out from the nineties, the past couple of years with just really below the roll cages. The only thing that remains, they've done a new cage right. and a new front end and new rear clip and all that stuff. So sure. I don't think there's anybody that would bring a car to a swiggle. that's not safe. I hope anyway. Well, I mean, Steven, you can remember the conversation with some of those, um, those vintage clubs, that were around that wanted to keep all their stuff um, period correct, but they wanted to start putting modern day bigger displacement engines in them, and it just started sounding like you were just strapping a big block onto what was soon to be your coffin. Yeah, it certainly gets you to to thinking about some of that stuff because you know the the true vintage racer, you know really wants to take that the full nine and and keep everything as it was in the time period but at the same time you know you can't strap a big block between the frame rails and and expect that you're going to have as good an outcome as if you were rolling a a 2018 bicknell down the front straightaway so it's it's gotta there's there's gotta be a balance there for sure and obviously, we're not we're not doing a, 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 an effective job of comparing apples to apples because the Swego Speedway Super Modifieds, 
coming out of the woodwork and, and, and coming back to prominence and uh, with an old car or something along those lines is not in any way a vintage class. It's, it's a modern-day class that's being outfitted with all the, the, the modern stuff. I'm just thinking along the lines of, of age in the welds and stuff like that, and, and a good race team is going to go through all that stuff anyway. Uh, but, Stephen, a, a question that you might be able to field here. When we're listening to what Camden talked about, about all the stuff from uh, the 60s and 70s staying relevant for so long, but now you've got to get this from a certain guy and you got to get this from a certain guy and you got to get this from a certain guy, it starts to sound an awful lot like a story that we've heard before where the focused, specialized part production, however necessary for the life of the division, has been both a blessing and a curse because now it's it's added increased cost and and specialization to the division. Well, that's that's certainly a consideration, isn't it? Uh, and and it sounds uh, you know something awfully familiar that we're familiar with too. Um, and and any time that you want to get that extra edge, and maybe that's something Camden can answer for for us is. You know, as far as trying to get, you know, if, if everybody is going to, you know, kind of the same circle of folks, whether it's, you know, a car or parts and pieces, um, is there really any way for guys to really get any kind of edge in that department? Because it seems like the, the core circle of manufacturers for, for the super modifieds, it wouldn't lead you to a lot of opportunity to you know, get that edge on your competition because a lot of the guys are, are going to be kind of on the same stuff. Or is there some of that specialization out there? Uh, I, I think you're right. It's just the hot cars, the hot chassis have gone into mass production. They've just taken over and everybody has one, but not everybody has the independent front end. And, and that's the, the new thing that they allowed back to the track just a few short seasons ago and it's kind of changed the shape of super modified racing as we see it right now because the independent the cars run so so much different in in traffic and you're talking a oh man another several thousand dollar head just to put the independent on so there's there's hot cars there's lots on there's hot cars that are independent and these independent cars seem to have the advantage right now and the Abold boys showed that you don't have to have that independent front end to get the job done either. So, nope. I mean, that, nope. that that's one thing that, that's been pretty cool to see out of that. It has been. And, and, you know, Abolds are no slouch by any stretch. You know, Pat's one of the great mechanics and, and you know, super modified engineers that the Speedway has, has seen, you know, in its history. So those guys were competitive without this wing change that we made over the off season, but it it definitely does allow some <laughs> the problem is it's it's allowing the 20 year old cars or the 10 year old cars or whatever they may be to pick up four tenths but it's also the newer hot cars whether they're independent or straight axle or whatever they are everybody's picked up four tenths so it just goes back to the whole the good drivers are going to be the good drivers and the good mechanics are going to be the good mechanics and Right now, I think Otto's probably the smartest guy in the pits, and that's why he's the first person to really have this whole package figured out because he does it all. So it's it's Otto's it's Otto's world right now, and we're kind of all just living in it until everybody <laughs> else hits on it. <laughs> the, uh, the the term that comes to mind from from way back in the dirt modified days with Stephen was cubic dollars. It's all it's all the same equipment, and the way to get the leg up on somebody else is cubic dollars. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And and I think that that's kind of where you see there are some different, you know, some, you know, uh, differences in what guys are running uh, because, you know, for a lot of guys, of course, you know, some of this rear end stuff that we're seeing in the dirt stuff now gives guys a lot more options as far as how they're setting these cars up and such. So I, I could see that both on the super modified side and, and on the dirt side for sure. Um, Camden, what, what is... Um, it, now that you're a part of that super modified division, do you feel that you see now even more uh, what is making Otto Sitterly so good? I mean, or, or do you think that you know everybody can kind of see it 
uh, and being on the racetrack doesn't make that much of a difference? Or, or do you feel like you have an even better understanding or, or maybe I should say better appreciation for what it is that he's been able to do in this decade? Definitely a better appreciation, I think, would be the phrase I'd go with. It's, you know, Izzato's one of my childhood heroes, you know, along with Doug Didero and Joe Gozik and, and all those guys. And just to be in the car and, and just to step on the gas and, and run, I don't want to say competitively yet, but at least up to speed with some of these guys, it's, man, what, a, what an appreciation I've gained for all of these super modified drivers, whether it's Otto or, or anybody that's raced at a swiggle over the years. It's it's a tough game, but you know Otto's one of the best drivers, no doubt, of all time at a swiggle speedway, and and now to be involved in the class directly and, and slowly start to learn these cars and and what they do and how they work. His his understanding, he just he's just a warehouse of knowledge. Just it's, it's unbelievable what what he's capable of as far as tuning up a race car, let alone his driving skills on the track. So he's just a whole package. I get to make my first trek up to Oswego without the dirt laid on the surface this Saturday. I got to go up there and work with Matt Thomas and learn a little bit of their production stuff. So, Cam, I'm, oh, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there. Maybe I can catch up with you because uh, I don't think I've, I haven't seen you since we got back from uh, Middletown. That was a fun day. I can't believe that was what two, three months ago now, almost. Um, oh, right. Yeah, so, yeah, it's awesome. You'll have to have to stop out and say hi. It was seven trillion gallons of water ago. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's a better way to describe it. <laughs> uh, online, if you want to know, learn more about Oswego Speedway, Oswego Speedway dot com uh isma uh, if you jump on camden's facebook page if you look at all the job titles that he has those links to all that stuff as well you can find him out there isma supers.com is the website if you want to go directly to their website um there's absolutely tons of information out there in terms of the schedules uh both locations and then if you want to follow along with what camden's up to of course jump right on his facebook page as well camden proud on facebook juggling all of that stuff um they even started a podcast this year for the Super Modifieds. They they sure did. You uh, you beat me to it. Yes. Uh, so I guess take it from there. <laughs> yes, you beat well, me to I, it. I just I Camden that that's something that's new this year, and I, and I've been watching the reaction from the fans up that way, and and it seems like not just the fans, but some of the local sponsors up in that direction or really getting behind that effort uh, here early on, which is which is really cool to see. It's been super cool. Um, Tom Baker, great job with the radio stuff. You know, he's been involved with the Supers, you know, as, as long as anyone. Um, he asked me to do this back in January, February, and I was all on board. Just another, another avenue to promote the Super Modifieds that we otherwise really weren't doing, and we've had all kinds of guests on there, whether it be current drivers, past drivers, car owners. We had Mike Silliman, our tire guy, on there, and I think it's it's a great way for the fans to just have another place to go and, and get some insight on what's going on in super modified racing, and not just at a swiggle, but as my MSS, Colorado, California, we're trying to cover it all, and just been really, really pleased with the feedback we've gotten so far. Chris, I know we're coming up on our time here, but I wanted to get one question to Cam about this. You know, with that podcast and with some of this uh, really targeted um, targeted content for the racetrack, how important is that stuff right now? Because, you know, it, it seemed like years ago, if you had a great race report on the website and got your information out to all the publications and all the media outlets and things, that that was how racetracks really did a good job promoting their racetrack. But now there's so many different things and so many different avenues. But it seems like right now that online media content is really, you, you can't put a price on, th- on stuff like that. You know, anything to get the fans to be able to have something to chew on during the week. No, you, you definitely can't put a price on it. And I'm learning about new avenues and, and social media platforms every single day it's just time is, is the biggest thing and, and resources and, and having to help but 
it's it's a learning experience every day working for the track, not just racing at the track. And it's it's so important now. That's how everybody gets their news and their information is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think at Oswego we've done a pretty good job keeping up with, with the digital age and um, just kind of modeling and learning from some of what the other premier tracks and, and series across the country do. And it's, that's just as, as humbling as, as driving as doing the PR stuff. It's quite the undertaking. Gives you the opportunity to interview people like Otto Sitterly. What's that? Gives you the opportunity to interview people like Otto Sitterly, who uh, after you watch his tail tank for 50 laps of the Swigo, you get to go interview him about it. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's so <laughs> it's so funny. I, I don't even get to interview anybody, like I said, until I watch the replay. But you know, still, when I first started doing the job before I was racing the Super, it's just to get to put those stories together with with guys like Joe Gozik or Doug or, or Otto, and then have them talk about their IndyCar days and all the you know the big races and just the history too and some of the stuff that happened that were my favorite moments as a kid watching the supers it's it's neat my i don't think my love and passion for the supers will ever die that's good and hopefully they're around for a long time so everybody can enjoy it it's such a unique race car i mean one of a kind they sure are and and i hope that you know we continue to take the right steps here moving forward like i said cut the cost get the younger generation of fans involved and keep bringing more cars out of the woodwork and you know, I think it's all headed in the right direction. I think, Stephen, if anybody watching at home wanted to, they could turn this episode into a drinking game, and they got to take a step every time we say the word word, word woodwork. <laughs> hey, whatever works for you, man. I mean, I just I think the question would be is, what is the drink of choice tonight? <laughs> I'll text. I'll text you later. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, anything else that you wanted to hit on? Any place else that we can direct people to go to find more information about Oswego Speedway, Camden Proud, where to find what you're writing about, um, what you're talking about, or the ISMA series in addition to the websites and the social media pages? No, that's just about it. Just OswegoSpeedway.com and IsmaSupers.com. Both are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, and Snapchat. And as far as any stuff I'm covering, just <laughs> you can find me on Facebook and quick on any of my job titles like you said there's there's a lot of them i seem to be getting a new one every other day right now so the list is up to 34 and counting <laughs> Camden man i appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us for a little while on this one episode number 255 always good to talk to you and um uh, god willing i'll catch up with you saturday yeah i look forward to talking to you on saturday and you know great chatting with you guys tonight and thanks again for having me on it was a good time Always, man. Open door. Anytime you got anything going on, let me know. All right. Sounds good. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon, Cam. All right. Talk to you later. Some thoughts from one Camden Proud. Young man carving a niche out for himself. The media director, public relations director, social media director for Oswego Speedway, and also the social media director for um, the ISMA series. So, in addition to wheeling the race car, and he does all that on the side, uh, along with the podcast, along with CNY Motorsports, in addition to his full-time job. So he's uh, he's going to stay young forever if he keeps up this pace. Yeah, I I, I honestly, Chris, I, I envy his energy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like at one point I had maybe half of, of that energy in doing different uh, you know race uh, activities and media ventures and whatnot, but... Man, I, I don't know. At 33, I'm starting to slow down. <laughs> I can I can relate to doing that. I remember a couple <laughs> of years that I, I went over 100 races, and you know I was gone Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I was working a full time job. But now um, I look at what he's doing and think, ah, good for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's I, a lot, but I tell you is. what, he's doing a great job with it. Absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing, though, is, you know, even though I, I know it takes up a lot of time and energy, he doesn't put anything out that's, you know, half-assed. It's always, you know, done to the nine. He always does great interviews. I mean, he and I think that's something that he's really picked up with some of the people that he's worked with along the way is is getting that good interview and asking the right questions and, you know, really giving his readers and, uh, you know, something to to really kind of sit and process and think about not just the softball questions so right. 
he's willing to go to some of the tougher places, which is always good. And, and he's, I know it's going to sound hokey to some of the folks who aren't necessarily of the, the, the writer mindset, but he's, um, he's willing to be a student of the game. I mean, it, it, from the writing side of things, if you want to become a better writer, read a lot of people, <laughs> read a lot of stuff that people have written. And you start figuring out how the flow is supposed to go, and, and you can see how the stuff is woven together so that it tells a story front to back, and, and you learn how to put the important stuff. So if you do lose people, at least they get the important parts of the content. That's so important, knowing how to put that together when you're doing the pre-race releases because those generally can, can, can do their job in the first couple of paragraphs, and if somebody tunes out, at least they still have the details, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you even get lucky enough when the same sponsor comes back on the same night next year. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> open it up save as a copy new dates yeah <laughs> i'd never, never 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 once you uh you're gonna get some racing in atlanta legends this weekend it looks like patriots are in town right <laughs> well yeah so uh we've got a really really awesome show this weekend we've got the patriot sprint tours in town and double big block features finally we're gonna get that uh make up big block feature in uh so it, you know it's really it's it's pre- going to be a pretty good ticket this weekend. I you know general admission this weekend's twenty bucks, and you get two big block features and a sprint car feature. And somehow I've still seen people complaining about it on Dirt Track Digest. I don't understand, you know, how you could complain for a twenty dollar ticket to see what you're going to see Isn't, on Saturday. So aren't the sportsman cars running double points too? Yeah, sportsman cars are so there. We've actually. <laughs> It makes me dizzy thinking about it. Already, How's your week been? We, How's your week been, Stephen? <laughs> oh, it's it's been great, man. <laughs> so the the sportsman guys have got double points. You've got double big block features. The sprints. Oh, by the way, Gary Montgomery getting enshrined into the Land of Legends Raceway Wall of Fame on Saturday as well. <laughs> and you know, on a on a more serious note, I, that part I'm very much looking for. I mean, I'm looking forward to all of it, but. I'm really looking forward to that part of it and being able to participate in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Gary was such a good friend and, you know, I've made a lot of good friends in racing along the way, but, you know, to be a part of all that, just knowing how much he meant to Canadagua and how much Canadagua meant to him and his yep. family is going to be really, uh, really special. So, uh, looking forward to that. So it's, you know, just going to be a, another crazy night, man. I mean, I, I can't tell, I can't believe how fast those shows go when you're, working with the production team and and you are you know from the minute you go live at 6 45 until the show's over you know just that production level there's there's no downtime there's no hey i'll be right back i'm gonna go grab a hot dog and go to the you know go to the concession stand here during intermission you're go 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 right from the drop of the green flag you got to be part announcer part camel yeah, yeah exactly oh and you know that's uh, that's the other thing that uh, is different about this week too. Um, I'm going to be announcing for the Patriots because Paul Harkenrider is getting his wisdom teeth out tomorrow, so <laughs> he uh, he's not going to be there on Saturday. So I get to add one more thing to to my clipboard. But uh, you know that's that's going to be something I've never done before. I've never announced for the sprint cars. You've you know, never I, done a Patriot race before? Not on my own. No, it's always huh. there's always been somebody there um, now. At uh, Outlaw and Woodhall, I, you know, Paul and I have worked back and forth together doing the race call, mm-hmm. uh, but I've never, I've never done that kind of on my own. I've never called a sprint car four wide to get to cross that off the list this weekend. Cool. Uh, so I mean, it, yeah, it, it's uh, it's going to be pretty crazy, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I got a double weekend myself going between going to Oswego and finally looking at at 10% chance of rain at at both Saturday and Sunday, and then Sunday turn around for the Coal Cup. We got that race out there at Utica. Yeah, that that ought to be pretty special. Should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be – I think it's going to be tough to push Mike off of the microphone and and keep him in his his little cage so that he can be race director. (laughs) You know, that that would be a – I'd be really interested to talk to Mike about that. I I wonder – how tough of a transition that's been i i think it would be hard for me to do that you're you know? gonna have to let him do a race first well that's that's true that's true <laughs> he's got one race in right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i just i i'm i'm very curious you know once he gets a couple shows in to, to do that how tough that transition is because i think um you know being the person that's calling the race and and trying to you know, make sure that people are enjoying what's going on, 
and then you kind of separate yourself and now you put your race official hat. That, that's got to be a tough transition. Well, I think if nothing else, he's going to be doing a really good job at being everybody's spotter because if he starts announcing the race through the, through the one-way radios, everybody's <laughs> going to know what's going on. It's not really a bad thing. Yeah, no, that, that, that's <laughs> true. That's true. That's true. So, Well, I hope everything goes well for you this weekend and, and the forecast doesn't change between now and Saturday night. I hope so, man. It, it looks like we might just have a, a solid weekend here on our hands. And then starting Monday, you know, we get three or four days straight of rain. But you know what? I'll take that if we get well, a good that, weekend. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I looked at Monday through Wednesday next week, and I thought, man, if those winds change it any little bit, <laughs> Sunday's going to get rained out again. We won't go there. No, no, hopefully not. <laughs> Well, I'm glad Skype settled down for you and you're able to hang out with us here for a little while um, and, uh, and everything worked good. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know what magic buttons you pushed or what email you sent, but, but we got there. Yeah, Skype was uh, – I've had the same Skype account for good grief, six years now. I mean, all the way back to the race chaser days. And right. I, I don't know. For whatever reason, tonight it decided that it didn't want to work and it wanted Brad's email. Well, must be Brad was the one that originally set this account up because I can't get the password to it. I had to create a whole new account. I'm sitting here saying things I won't say on the air, trying to get this thing to work. And I'm like, (laughs) man, Chris is going to think I'm the biggest schmuck in the world here, you know, leaving him out to dry. But, uh, hey, man, it's always always a good time chatting with you guys about racing. And, um, you know, this is is just my pace, man. It's great. For sure. I – I was really starting to think, wow, when I read back through the messages and, and I realized we were going at six and I never put that in the message to him. I'm like, wow, he's, he's not on because he's going to be tuning in at seven o'clock and find the show's over. But it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in there just in time to say, hey, how was Camden? <laughs> <laughs> right on. Cool, man. Great. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. 255 in the books. We appreciate uh, Stephen coming on and hanging out with us for a little. Kevin Proud giving us all that information about Oswego and the Supers. Uh, we look forward to touching base with him again as uh, we work through the summer, find out more about what's happening with the, the Supers, with Oswego, and, and what he's doing as well. It would be great next time we talk to him if he's talking about a win, but we don't want to put any more pressure on him that he's already feeling from himself. That is going to do it for us here at the North Park Building at Academy Square. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see everybody again right back here again in two weeks. We'll see you then.